Hey, this morning is, uh, is a little different. Uh, we're in between uh, series uh, this week. Uh, Easter, uh, we'll have a big uh, kind of deal. And then, um, I'm good, you, you grab it. Uh, but this morning is a unique morning. Uh, one in which uh, I hope we accomplish a few things. And, and the first being, uh, I hope that what we can do is, for those that are here, that we can really model what it looks like to be the body of Christ. What it means to be family. Uh, that we get a picture of what it looks like to really celebrate and, um, and enhance God's kingdom here in this valley and not our own agenda. What it looks like to love what it looks like to love uh, with a, a recklessness and abandonment uh, one another and those around us. Uh, if, if you're brand new or if you're non-maybe uh, religious or non-churched, uh, it's a great Sunday uh, for you to get a picture uh, of what it looks like when we're talking about being a part of family. Uh, and it is a different Sunday. We're not used to Jay and I both up here at the same time. Uh, and Jay's my, my good buddy. We've known each other for years and years. And uh, he joined us on this journey to set out and plant uh, Awakening Church back uh, two years ago, a little bit over two years ago, when uh, my wife and I said, hey, we, we have a dream about planting a church that's about awakening this generation. And he and his wife, Jenny, which is always confusing, we both married Jennies. Um, and so we talk about Jenny, and they're like, that's a weird church. Um, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. They're different. <laughs> They're different. Um, <laughs> you heard Nicole's cackle in the back. I, I was like, distinctly knew who that was. Um, anyways, uh, but Jay and I have gotten to do this together, uh, and we've gotten to do ministry for uh, a long haul, and we've had lots of discussions over the years about dreams, and we've dreamed together uh, in many ways and shaped together uh, a lot of what has happened here. Uh, and over the course of the, the last few months, uh, Jay has had some dreams and some stuff really take hold of him and some shapes uh, that, are, that are really important uh, and couldn't ignore and so I'm, I'm just going to let you kind of share. And so the structure is Jay's going to share some stuff about what God's, how God's leading and working in him and through him. And then I'll just have some closing thoughts. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Um, <clears throat> this morning, I, I don't have like a message to give or a sermon to deliver. Um, I figured that if I just started talking, it would end up a um, snotty mess. And so I wrote a letter. And uh, I think letters are powerful mediums because they take time and um, they require some thought and uh, they give weight to every word. And so I have a letter to you all, to my brothers and sisters at Awakening Church. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, let me begin with the hardest thing I must say. After much prayer and counsel, my wife Jenny and I have made the difficult decision to begin a new chapter in our life, uh, and this means saying goodbye to this community, uh, which has been our home for the past two years. 
From the very beginning of this journey, Ryan has made it clear that a primary part of the ethos and culture of awakening uh, is that we will always choose what's best over and above what is easiest. Um, he exemplifies this not only in his leadership as the pastor of this church, but also as a friend. And uh, a little while ago, Ryan received an email from Steve Clifford, who is the lead pastor of uh, Westgate Church, asking if they could discuss a role for me uh, there at Westgate. And the easy thing to do for Ryan would have been simply to say no. Um, but Ryan chose what was best for me and for my family. And I wanted to, by the way. I thought I'd, I could interrupt you. Um, yeah. Um, and he wanted to, by the way. I'd say a few other words. <laughs> I had a few other words. Um, but there are children in the room, so we won't say those words. Uh, Ryan chose what was best for me, both as my pastor and my friend. Long story short, um, after wrestling with countless thoughts and feelings, Jenny and I have come to the conclusion with much clarity and peace that transitioning into this new role at Westgate, while difficult, is best for us in this next season of life. And so for Jenny and I, today is a farewell Today is our last Sunday with all of you. And in these next few moments, I simply want to do three things. I want to thank you, I want to encourage you, and then I want to offer you just a few words that I hope will propel you forward into the future. First, a few words of thanks. Um, this will sound a bit odd, but in so many ways, you all have nurtured and raised me as a pastor these last two years. You gifted me with your grace, your willingness to take me as I am, with all of my faults and shortcomings. You lent me your listening ears time and time again. You offered me words of encouragement when I was floundering in weakness. You grabbed me by the collar and spoke truth to my face when I was immaturely wallowing in self-pity. You received my words of admonition even when they were sharp and painful. You allowed me to take risks, to make mistakes, and to question things. You allowed me to be my curious and inquisitive self. You loved my wife. You spoke highly of her. You welcomed her, befriended her, and invited her in. You laughed at some of my jokes. You cried with me when I talked about loss, pain, or suffering. You endured those terrible announcement videos on Facebook in the early days. Um, you set up chairs and tables, lights and sound equipment with me. You schooled me in basketball. You taught me how to use Instagram. Uh, you showed me how to edit videos. You went to concerts with me, watched movies with me, had drinks with me. You ate ridiculous amounts of tacos and burritos and Japanese ramen and Mongolian barbecue with me. Um, Hector Mujica and Tyler Christ, I don't know if they're here, but they even went to Haiti with me, and a lot happened there, but what happens in Haiti stays in Haiti. Um, I will say there was a tarantula and an outhouse involved, so those of you, the eight of you going to Haiti in June, enjoy. Um, <laughs> you shared your stories with me. You opened yourself up to me. You taught me new ways to be alive, to rejoice, to mourn, and to wonder. For all this and so much more, thank you. Um, a few words of encouragement. Many people have asked me over these last two years, how's awakening? 
And every single time I've struggled to answer because the question they were asking was a very different question than the one I was hearing. Most people were really asking, how is the organization of Awakening coming along? What's your attendance like? What's your budget like? How many volunteers do you have? How many people are in small groups? Does your band sound like Coldplay or Mumford? Um, (laughs) But when I hear that question, how's Awakening, I can only think of people. I can only think of you and how you're doing. And not just how you're doing, but also what you're doing. And most importantly, what God is doing in and through you. It has been a tremendous privilege and joy to watch as God works in and through you to accomplish some incredible kingdom things. I've seen God move in and through your creativity. I can safely say that this is, uh, that I've never been around a more creative bunch than you all. Uh, From designing to writing to playing music um, to all sorts of technical mumbo-jumbo that's way over my head, I have seen you leverage your creative talent and energy to reach people with the love of Jesus in fresh new ways. I've seen God move in and through your relentless passion and generosity. This is a community that has no tolerance for what is simply realistic It wasn't realistic for us to build a $15,000 well in Zimbabwe just three months after launching as a small church plant, but you raised almost 30 grand that first year and built two wells. After getting kicked out of this very theater less than a month after moving here, it didn't seem realistic that we'd be able to uh, earn trust and create a long-lasting relationship with Delmar High School. But you loved and served this school, its teachers and its students. You painted walls, built benches, renovated basketball courts and teachers' lounges. You donated laptops. You started volunteering to tutor students during the week. And now, here we are back in the theater with the blessing and love of this school. Delmar is sad to see you go, each and every one of you go uh, when we move in August. God did this work through your relentless passion and generosity. You allowed God to take a hold of your hearts, to leverage your time and talents, to plunge you right into the middle of the redemptive kingdom work he is doing both in the world and right here in our city. I've seen God move in, through, uh, move in and through your love. As a community, you have taught me what it means to love excessively and lavishly. You have celebrated well the many birthdays and weddings, new jobs and new babies. You've also grieved deeply when cancer took loved ones away, when jobs were lost, when relationships came undone, when rejection spat in our faces. And in both celebrating and in grieving, you brought light into one another's darkness by loving well. With laughter and with tears, you rejoiced with those who rejoice and you mourned with those who mourn. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12 that these are the markers of sincere and devoted love for one another and you've exemplified this in wonderful, life-giving ways. Ernest Hemingway once wrote that the world breaks everyone and afterward many are strong in the broken places. You are an extraordinary community of men and women who have chosen to be strong at the broken places. With your creativity, passion, generosity, and love, you are bringing hope and light to many who need it. And I am inspired by you. Finally, 
a few words that I hope will push you forward into the future. Let me be clear, my job here has never been to bring something from somewhere else that wasn't here already. My job from day one has simply been to recognize, accentuate, and name what has always been here, what has always been in you, the Spirit of God moving, working, and transforming each and every one of you to be agents of kingdom change in the world here and now. So whether you've been here since uh, the beginning or today is your first Sunday with us, um, you are a part of something big here, uh, of something of scale. You are a part of a church that is on the move, following God into new territory, watching and working alongside as he awakens our city to new life. In the Gospel of John chapter 11, we read a story about a man named Lazarus. Lazarus was a beloved friend of Jesus. He falls gravely ill, and two sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus in a neighboring town, asking him to come and heal Lazarus. Their exact words are, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, this is the world we inhabit today. Countless people in our city, in our families, amongst our friends, in our spheres of influence are sick. And the sicknesses vary. They are physical and emotional, spiritual, and all of the above. And we know this because we too have been sick and still wrestle with some of these sicknesses today. But many of us have also experienced the healing love of Jesus Many of us are here in this community, a part of Awakening Church, because we believe that Jesus wants to heal each and every person on the planet. We believe that pain and despair no longer have a stronghold over us. We believe that life does not end in the grave. We believe that eternity full of peace and joy is available to all who would receive it. We believe that the mission of the church, first and foremost, is to confront death, embrace resurrection, and declare aloud as we did with that song, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. In the end of the story of Jesus and Lazarus, there is a turn for the worst and then a surprise ending. Jesus doesn't arrive on time. He shows up too late and Lazarus dies. They bury him in the tomb. Sadness and mourning overwhelm the people. When Jesus finally shows up on the scene and he sees the grief of Lazarus' family and friends, he takes a moment to do something unexpected. John 11.35 tells us that Jesus wept. Jesus steps out of his own transcendence and sinks into that incredibly human moment. He locks himself into the confines of our time and space. He weeps. He feels our pain, our hurt, and our loss. That is not the end. Earlier in the story, Jesus declares, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I'm going there to wake him up. And he does just that. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus awakens Lazarus to new life. And Jesus is still raising the dead today, awakening those who have fallen into the slumber of broken and shattered lives. And so, 
Awakening Church. I thank you and I encourage you, but most importantly today, I urge and challenge you. Continue to join God in the work of awakening this generation and this city to new life. Continue to give yourselves completely, without reservation, without hesitation, to this redemptive work that God is doing in and through you. Jump in head first with every ounce of energy you can muster into the great big unfolding story of God happening all around you. Offer your hands and your feet, your hearts and minds, your strength and soul to God and let him use you to, to, to do measurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. It has been a privilege, an honor, and an unspeakable joy to have been with you. I will miss you. I will be cheering you on, advocating for you, praying alongside you. Grace and peace to each and every one of you. Thank you so much. You, you got to know this has been real hard for us. And I know it's hard for us, but it's been really hard for us. Um, my daughter was funny. I wasn't planning on sharing this. That's the reason I write things out, but then I never stick to the script. Um, my daughter asked my wife this question. Why is daddy's best friend leaving our church? And so I want to answer that question. Because when we planted a church, it's family. We do staff meetings right now in our our backyard, uh, in my garage. And uh, Miles, my littlest, literally does not think Jay comes to work, but he comes as a uh, play partner. Um, Miles thinks Jay's four. Um, and so that idea of choosing best over what's easiest is such an, a great idea and yet such sometimes a painful and hard reality. Uh, if you look through the book of Acts, and the Acts is about the beginning of the church, and I just encourage you to read it, what you'll find is that over and over God moves his leaders around to different places at different times for specific purposes. And when we look at the book of Acts, and specifically if you go to Acts chapter 20, you see Paul, uh, and he's finishing up a missionary journey, and he has a distinct calling that he's to go to Jerusalem, and he knows trouble's awaiting him. He knows it's going to be hard. Uh, In fact, his goodbye, and he's saying goodbye to the church in Ephesus, uh, and his goodbye to them is one in which he says this, I'll never see you again, which is not the case here, uh, thankfully. But he knew that uh, trouble awaited him. And, and as he says goodbye uh, to this church and to the elders there, what I love and what you brought up in there what, was just the reality. Answering that question, what's best, doesn't mean it's not hard. 
And it doesn't mean it's not painful and there's the moments to cry and to grieve and to be sad. And as Paul said goodbye to that church in Ephesus, there was this beautiful balance between them embracing what they were called and made to do and stepping into the next season, but also they sat and they wept with Paul. And we find ourselves there. I find my, I, some of you, you, you haven't got to travel and got to have this relationship because uh, I find myself here. We find ourselves here. Um, but back to the question, why? Um, this last week, we went to a uh, conference uh, down south in uh, Irvine area. And my wife and I and a couple friends got to go. We went a day early, and so we had a little bit of time. And so we went to this place called uh, Stone Brewing Company uh, in Escondidos. And we took a uh, tour of the brewing area. And, and this one picture was so powerful to me uh, that it, it brought everything. I can't explain this to my, my daughter so well um, in these words. Uh, but we're doing this tour. And as we're on this tour, we notice the guy, and, we're, and I love this, the science behind how to make beer, and they're telling all this stuff, and I'm geeking out, you know. And one of the guys noticed that, the, that the, our tour guide was wearing an Alesmith shirt. He's not wearing a stone brewing company, but he's wearing a competitor shirt. And so one of the guys on the tour asked, hey, why are you wearing an Alesmith shirt? And he, like, real quickly responds, uh, you know, nonchalantly, oh, because they're, they're my favorite brewery. What <laughs> you work at Stone? It's like no, I love what they're doing. What they're doing is amazing, awesome. I, it's it's great, and we're kind of just taken aback. Like okay, here we're at doing the Stone Brewing tour, and maybe we should have went to the L Smith tour. You know, I don't know. <laughs> and then he goes on to explain this. He said, the craft brewing industry in the whole beer industry only makes up 6% of the total market share in the industry. And so there's a relationship not only with those in the San Diego brewers, but there's a relationship with all craft breweries um, all around uh, the country. And where they view themselves, because they only make up 6%, they view themselves on the same team. He began to explain that if they, if they had a competitor in town that was one of the craft breweries and they ran out of wheat or they ran out of barley or whatever, they, they call them and say, hey, we, we ran out. Can we get some off of you? And they would give them and share and vice versa. They would meet up to, to go over and enhance one another's techniques. They viewed that when one was successful, they all won. In San Jose, less than 6% in an area that has around 2.5 million people attend church of any kind. When one is successful, we all win. We are all on the same 
team accomplishing the same purpose. This is kingdom. And so we go back to that question, what is best, not what is easiest? And we have an incredible relationship with Westgate where, yeah, when Steve asked, I wanted to say some things that were probably not so Christian. And took a minute and get okay, you know what? I owe it to Jay to at least let him have the conversation, and who knows? And Westgate has shared deeply their resources with us. This church exists because of Westgate's deep commitment to kingdom. And how can we not then go in like manner and give what we believe is our very best? And realizing we don't, I just had to, you know, in that moment I wrestled with this, I don't own Jay. I know that's weird. <laughs> We don't own Jay. It's a weird thought, I know. He's God's. And we entrust your gifts and your talents and your skills. And our chief aim here at Awakening is to see his kingdom come and his will be done. And that means it means more than just us. How do we rally with churches around and share resources and people and say, okay, let's make a dent. And when one is successful, let's celebrate. And when one's going through a hard time, we mourn with them and we cheer one another on. And so that, that is why. And that is why, when I said at the beginning, I want you to get a picture of what it looks like to be family, what it be, means to be the family of God, to be kingdom. This, is, this sucks in many ways, I, if I'm just the honest side. We've cried enough together through the process. But, but we know. I am full confident when Jay says, man, like this, I feel clarity this is the next step. I'm confident this is what's best. And so we hold loosely what we have with open hands and say, God, you lead us and lead you. Thank you for the last two years. Thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, how you shaped me as a leader, as a pastor, and your friendship. Those things, thankfully, we don't lose. Um, to close, one of the things... Uh, thought, I had it covered and I kind of covered it, but um, I know you like to read, and this is just a small little gift from Awakening Church to you. Uh, the thing that's helped me so much is uh, I love my iPad mini. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Uh, no, it's awesome. At this conference, it's a little divergent. At this conference, I used to buy all these books and my backpack would be like 100 pounds. I just went online, Kindle, Boom. Backpack weighed the same all week long. Um, and I want to give you that gift, too. <laughs> um, just as a small token of something that I know, uh, uh, Jay is a voracious uh, reader, learner, and so something that would be in your hands on a daily basis that would remind you of us and a token that we would just say we're, 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 we're going to miss you, but we're so for you. So, anyways, yeah.
Would you stand and we're going to close and, and pray. And pray for, if, if you just wouldn't mind, as we, as we close and pray, and we've been doing 40 days of prayer, we want to pray over uh, Jay and Jenny, and we're going to, your wife's going to hate me. Um, Jenny, would you mind coming up real quick? She's so going to hate me. But you're leaving, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gonna, it, this is funky. Sorry. I know. Is, she, she does not want to be up front. I know that. I'm sorry. But we just want to pray for you. This is like the first time most people are going to believe me when I say I'm married. <laughs> That's true. This is my wife, you guys. Two years into it, here's my wife. Anyways, we love you guys. We're for you. Those aren't words. Those are uh, realities. Um, and we're family. Those are things that are just true and thankful and excited and sad at the same time. If you feel comfortable with you, just kind of reach out your hands towards them and let's just pray over them. God, thank you for Jay and Jenny. Thank you for their influence. Thank you for their impact. Um, on our community. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for uh, how they've shaped uh, this community. And God, we entrust them to you, their gifts, their passions, their skills, and ask that you would use them mightily in this next stage. God, we pray for Westgate and that you would use them mightily to reach this city. God, we pray for Venture and we pray for uh, South Bay and Garden City. God, we pray for the church in this area that we would see an awakening and we'd see a movement of you like never before in this generation, the city comes new life and ask that this transition would be critical for uh, that next step and that you would just unleash them to, to live out their passion and purpose on this planet. And so God, we entrust them to you. In Jesus' name, amen.